Hey, this is Clark. Welcome back to the Paleo Axe Podcast. Happy Thursday. This week, it's going to blow your mind. We got my friend Josh Trent returning on the call to chat about wellness technology, wearables, emotional intelligence. Um, Are wearables excessive or are they absolutely necessary? How do you even use it in your life? Is it overwhelming, a distraction? We get into all sorts of stuff about habits and mindfulness as well. This show, of course, brought to you by PaleoHacks.com, the place to be for everything paleo and more. If you want our archives, all these shows are up there. And what's really an added bonus is if you go to the show page for this podcast, you get not only the timestamps for this show, you get the full transcript, you get the video version, the audio version, and a cool little photo, high-res photo of uh, the guest. So it's the complete package over there at paleohacks.com. Good way to follow along if you want more information. We also have articles, blog posts. We got recipes over there like the chocolate paleo donuts. Popular post, the caramel cheesecake bites. So this summer, if you got a sweet tooth, we got those over there. If you want to get a hold of me, email me Clark at ClarkDanger.com or on all the social platforms at Clark Dangerous. That's O-U-S. That's it for announcements. You ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what my man Josh has to say. My next guest is the founder of Wellness Force, voted by Analytica one of the top 2015 health influencers and has over 10,000 training hours under his belt. Please welcome for round two, Mr. Josh Trent. Clark, how fun is this? It's been a year almost, right? Maybe a little under. And um, I'm excited that you're having me back on, man. Thanks for having me here. Josh, today's a special day. Um, I remember on our last show when you were on here talking about wearable technologies and digital health and uh, kind of you know, how they can incorporate into our lives and make us better, fitter, happier, what have you. I was kind of like, ah, I don't know, Josh. I had that image in my head of like a wearable still being like the calculator watch, you know, or, uh, (laughs) or, or like a spy tie with like a camera in it or something kind of, kind of, kind of different. And then you said, well, just download, download an app and see what it does. And so I, I went to my phone and I downloaded this free app called pacer and i was using it to count my steps and i was like this is really great and um anyway over the last where i'm going with this is over the last week i ordered a fitbit hr and it's sent to arrive today so what was the tipping point i'm curious man like i'm glad we're talking about this on the air like so what happened in the brain where you were like all right this fitbit thing looks cool What, what was it yeah so i mean i was using that free app and yeah. uh, it could only do so much. You know, it was just an app tracker, but I had to carry my phone on me everywhere. And I don't like having my phone on me everywhere. And because yeah. uh, then you use it, you know, and you're on the Internet all day. And it's like, oh, this is annoying. But I loved having my steps there. It's just an objective, quantifiable way to know if you're on or you're off. Like, oh, I'm at 3000 today. Better get moving. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, you know what? Fitbit HR. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why, why not have the heart rate in there as well? I'm really excited to see what it what it does but uh anyway the, the tipping point for me was noticing that there were some days i was getting three thousand steps you know two thousand one thousand steps and i'm like dude that is unacceptable you gotta get yeah. moving you know better than this 
Sure. And uh, you can't lie to yourself when you have technology. That's crazy. It did the same thing for me. Like I found the joy of walking again. Huh. And I mean, how primal is walking? Walking yeah. is like what everyone gets to do. I mean, obviously there's some people that can't walk and that's why we're grateful to walk. But walking is really, really fundamental to just being a happy human being. And so many people don't walk. It's so simple. I used to judge walking and be like, why do I need to walk? Right. It's not like taxing my fast twitch muscles. I'm not in the gym. I'm not getting stronger. But like the psychological benefit of walking, I have to say like that's the number one thing that I got from using my Fitbit a year and a half ago. Yeah. So I, I definitely relate to what you're saying, man. Yeah, it's nuts. And you still use it? You still use the Fitbit? Absolutely. I mean, I take it off right now for the keypad, but I mean, this is my guy. You know, I use the Fitbit Oh, you got the day. big it's, one. Yeah. The I have the, or whatever. The, the swipe screen. Yeah. Oh, so man. Fancy. I have the, the fancy schmancy one. I'm sure you feel a little validated uh, seeing wearables and technology take off because you've been talking about it for a year or two. Um, not, yeah. you know, the hipster before it was cool, right? Yeah. And I feel like like that's why I'm so stoked to come on your show today, man, because all this technology is coming up in growth and that's awesome. But it's also taking people away from living at a root level, you know, connecting with other humans and like living a mindful lifestyle. So now we're at this cool point where technology is finally giving back. But like the growth of it, the novelty of it has been fun to see. Yeah. So we don't have to kind of uh go through your whole story. Um, but it's to sum it up for people who maybe didn't hear our first call where we went into your journey and kind of how you got to run in wellness force today. Um, what's, what's important to know about Josh and his progress to what he's doing today? I think what's most important is that this has been a journey of transformation but it's been a journey of kind of letting go of what's not serving me. So to sum up our last interview, I talked about these beliefs that I was holding on to. And the three beliefs were people can't be trusted. Money is evil. Money causes pain. And that I would expect the worst to happen. And that came from my mom being bipolar and my dad having cognitive dissonance and dealing with his situation. Now, I love my parents and a lot of the personal development work that I've done has been through facing these beliefs and then allowing them to be gone, you know, giving them the gift of goodbye. That transitioned me into being a more powerful coach and a trainer. I found this digital health technology about two and a half years ago after watching a film by Sky and Tamara Christofferson. They were two Olympic athletes that coached the 2012 Olympic cycling team for women to win the silver medal in the Olympic Games. And that motivated me. I was driving home and I had this lightning bolt moment where I thought if this quantified self in digital health tech can help these Olympic athletes win a medal in the Olympic Games, yeah. what can this do for the average person who's trying to let go of weight or get more energy? And like, that's where my coaching program was born, you know, taking these devices and keeping people more accountable so they can get better results. And that's what I've been doing for the past year um, is running these coaching groups with the podcast. And it's a whole fun experience, man. Like you've seen the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, Wellness Force is uh, set that up for people. It's, it's empowering lives through technology. Yep. Um, how would you describe it when someone comes up to Josh on the street or at a party and they're like, Josh, what do you do? You're like, I love this, Force. man. Yeah. So I'm a digital health coach and a podcast host. And Wellness Force really is asking yourself a simple question. Who do you need to show up and be healthy for? What drives you? What is your wellness force? 
What is the fuel that makes you want to show up? Is it your kids? Is it your dad? Is it your family? Like, what do you tap into as a source of energy to make you be healthy? Not just physically, though. I mean, emotionally and spiritually as well, because wellness is mind, body and spirit. So I'm a host of a top ranked show like yourself, where we dive into the behavior change element of what it really takes to become a better human. Like, how do we use behavior change as a model to continually grow ourselves and also wellness technology? How do we use these tech devices? How do we use these wearables to make ourselves better as well? So behavior change and wellness technology. Yeah, absolutely, man. So the behavior change component through technology, I want to spend some time um, because we don't talk about wearables a lot on the show. And so when I got you here, I want to I want to dive into it Um, and then we'll touch more on. Well, we'll see where the call goes, but I, I plan on touching more on uh, kind of the emotional. Let's touch wherever you want to touch, man. It's all good. <laughs> so with the wearables, you know, yeah. they're here to stay. They're not going away. Um, yeah. I, I was looking at some research before this and it said between the ages of 16 and 24, 74% of people said they were open and planning on buying and wearing uh, wearable technology. And, you know, wearables are improving not just personal lives, but I mean, the military's on them. Hospitals have using them to save lives. Businesses are using them to integrate better. Um, these things are are integrating into our lives. And uh, so I, I guess what research do you get stoked on or how do you get stoked on wearables integrating into our everyday lives? I think from a research standpoint, there's a site. It's called Rock Health. And Rock Health, I mean, in any industry, whether it's paleo or tech, follow the money. The money is going to show you where the energy is flowing because that's what money is. It's energy. Mm-hmm. And Rock Health is a, is a fabulous resource. So we know that every year the investments from angel investors and companies are, are putting in hundreds of millions of dollars. And yeah. year over year growth shows 50, sometimes 75, sometimes 100% growth year over year, depending on what study you're looking at. But there is absolutely no downgrade as far as growth in in wearable tech. And especially, man, when we look at the digital health field, digital health is is the genomic and the personal medical and technical revolutions all combined. So whether it's a 23andMe, whether it's Fitbit, whether it's medical like mHealth, it's all encapsulated there. That's where a ton of money is going. And um, it's funny, I just posted something about this yesterday on LinkedIn. Everyone go to my LinkedIn and check it out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so so with uh, wearable technology, what's really inspiring for the person at home, like what was for me and it sounds like it was for you is the accountability piece because so much of this um, trying to eat better, exercise, whether you have goals that you want to achieve, lose weight, gain muscle, feel better, sleep better, reverse disease or anything like that, they're, they're hard to measure. They're just it's, – it's hard to tell if you're really making progress beyond the scale. And then we hear podcasts where people tell you to throw out the scale. Okay, well, what do I use now? You know, just like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And so these these tools can integrate into our lives and give us that data that's uh, inspiring and honest. Yeah, I mean, the way I describe it is is data. It doesn't really matter. It's the intention behind the data. So what is data? It's zeros and ones. But what's more important is that this data is a mirror of how we show up in our life. So it's not as if we're so stoked on the data. It's that we have data as a tool to allow us to show up more powerfully in the way we sleep and the way that we hydrate and the way that we give ourselves nutrition and in the way that we move and exercise. Like those are the four columns. It Hmm. doesn't have to be so complicated. I think people get caught up in the weeds, like caught up in the details, Clark, of like trying to figure out, okay, what's exactly what it's supposed to be like? No, just, just have four columns. 
And this is the way that I coach. Just have the four columns. Make sure that your data is always in the green and you're okay. And it just goes back to this easy psychological loop that's based on Charles Duhigg's work, The Power of Habit. And, and that's really what it's all about. It's taking this complex data and putting it into four simplistic columns so that people just focus on the basics and the fundamentals, which is the same thing that all your guests talk about on the show. You know, how do we get people to live more of a primal lifestyle? Well, the data can help us do that. I like that with the four columns and the habit emphasis because with the Fitbit or any other one of these wearables that we're talking about or even medical tests, you know, like you're getting a blood panel that costs three grand and food sensitivities. It doesn't matter until you stop eating those foods. You know, you're wearing a Fitbit that costs a couple hundred bucks. It doesn't matter until you actually get out there and do the 10,000 steps or whatever your goal is. Yeah. Um, So there's a component of like getting smarter, but then there's also that action component, which has habits tied up into it. Like you actually have to move for the Fitbit to work. You know, yes. Wearing it doesn't make you any fitter. I feel like on the right, you have uh, education and knowledge. And then on the left, you have execution. Well, there's this space in the middle. And wearable tech is the bridge. Working with a coach is a bridge. Listening to your podcast is a bridge. It's like, how do we actually know something and then do an action from the knowing? Yeah. I mean, Dan Party talked about this on my show. It's like knowing without doing is the same as not doing. Huh. And, the, and the same as not knowing, right? So it's like, how do we, how do we build this bridge correctly? It's, I'd, it's I'd, the same. Uh, oh, sorry to cut you off. I'd say it's almost worse knowing what to do and not doing it. Like, let's just take diet or health, for instance. You know, if yeah. you have... Say, say you want to eat paleo and, and you're not doing it, um, then you get a lot of self-judgment and self-criticism, which stresses you out and detracts. Shame spiral. The, yeah, shame spiral. Detracts from yeah. your happiness because you know what to do, but you're not doing it. That was my case. Yeah, I completely resonate with that, man. Like yeah. the emotional construct of what we do with data and what we do based off of the education we have. It's just as important as the data. Like why we do what we do is just as important as the execution of doing it. And I think that's what I'm excited about technology doing is how do we make this technology more mindful as well? You know, it's one thing to have the tools, but then how do we use tech to be more mindful and also execute on our health goals in tandem? So if we're just talking about technology wearables um, to kind of start giving some concrete tips for people at home. I'm sure you get this is your frequently asked question sheet, but where do people start? What's like the best starting point? Maybe like beginner, intermediate, advanced and like how to what's your protocol for wearing technology? Keep it simple. Get a Fitbit wrist tracker for eighty five dollars. Keep it simple. Focus on those four columns we discussed earlier in your show. And just make sure that either you're in a group to combine a human element or you're with a coach because wearing the wearable, I mean, research shows that four to six months people wear it and then it goes in a kitchen drawer. Really? And I think, I think we even talked about this last year on your show. It's like, what's the meaning behind why you're wearing the bracelet, the Fitbit? It's because you're looking to be more mindful. Okay, let's go further. Let's reverse engineer. Why do you want to be more mindful? Because you want to have a physical change. You want to let go of weight. You want to have a strength goal that you that you hit, whatever it might be. Like that's the most important thing. But if you don't have a human being or a community or a coach to connect you with why you're wearing the wearable, guaranteed it's going to go in the kitchen drawer. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have some sort of goal you're working towards. And it's not just this new accessory that you're uh, wearing. They paid 85 bucks for a And you got to share the goal. Like you got to verbalize it, you know, in the same way that you post about what you're doing on Facebook. I shout about it in my groups. I have them shout about it. It's really like ripping off the armor and saying, this is what I want. And I'm being really powerful in the way that I'm stating what I want. And I'm just using this tech to help me. 
But the human connection piece, like we cannot get away from that. So uh, how would you recommend, let's say um, someone's listening at home, they're trying their best to eat healthy, maybe on some sort of paleoithic kind of clean diet. Um, They're trying to move three, four or five times a week and they're hearing about technology. They want to use it, incorporate it in their life. What advice would you give to that person who's kind of maybe a little overwhelmed? Like, I don't know what to do with this technology. Yeah. Well, I mean, technology can help us to connect more with this primal part of us, our authentic self. And I feel like if we can use it to grow our emotional intelligence and to grow our restorative intelligence, like how we meditate, how we get over a hard workout, things like that. Here's how you start. You start by just getting clear on why you're doing what you're doing. Just getting the wearable and being in this state of reaction, like, oh, I'm going to get this new wearable. I'm going to be involved in this new trend of wearables or, oh, I'm going to eat paleo. That's great. Like we're all searching for knowledge. But how do people begin? They begin by asking themselves the question, what is it that I want to do? Why do I want to do it? And what am I willing to do in order to make that happen? So get clear on that first. And this goes in alignment with whatever device you're going to buy, whatever uh, technology piece you're going to download on your phone. Like they all need to be linked to your why. So get clear on that. Number one, number two, get the Fitbit, make sure that you get the $85 one. You don't need the heart rate. It's, oh, it's cool to have. That's what I got. You got, well, it, Hey, you know what? It's I splurged. Fun. I, I paid the it's, extra $40. Josh. It's all good. Hey, it's kind of fun because at least you'll be able to see what your heart rate is when you sleep. And in oh. the same regard, like if you were to get on a scale and the scale is five pounds off, well, as long as you're always using the same scale, you can judge your progress. So it's the same thing with the heart rate. Yeah. I just don't like you doing the Fitbit heart rate because it is 10 beats per minute off, especially during heart exercise. Huh. But for at rest, like if you're checking your stress response throughout the day, like maybe you want to just monitor your heart rate when you're giving a speech or when you're meeting or when you're doing a podcast episode or whatever it is. Yeah. That's been kind of cool to see my heart rate at rest there. But those are the two things, Clark, for people that are just listening, going like, why should I care? Hey, make sure you're clear on your why. We just talked about that. Also, make sure that you keep it simple. Get the get the wrist tracker. They have the best interface on the phone. It's the easiest one to use, and it imports to every program. I mean, Fitbit's like the leader for a reason, right? So yeah. I feel like that. There's a lot of wearables out there, and I do work with clients that use those wearables. But in my opinion, based on experience, Fitbit's the best. Yeah, I've, I've heard the brachial pulse is la- it lags more than like a... Uh, different, like, because further away from the heart. So it has Absolutely. that lag time. Yeah. So yeah. when we go radial versus brachial or carotid artery, I mean, anything closer to the heart is going to be a much more concrete measurement. But so it's, it's 10 beats per minute slower on the actual 10 Fitbit. beats, man. And, I, oh, and I'm dang, saying this because... I have a friend and he works for Skosh. Skosh is the company that makes the rhythm. It's the brachial pulse monitor. Their system's pretty on point. They've done a lot of research with some different uh, colleges. I think I think the University of Arizona was one of them. And they showed that the brachial pulse is very, very accurate. So if people are really dialing in their fitness using tech, get the one that's a chest strap or get the one that's a brachial nerve. But doing it at the wrist, the radial pulse is just... It's not as concrete of a measurement. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, as general prescriptions for like yeah. someone who's like, you know, Josh, I just want to wear this Fitbit, test it out. Maybe it's got a sleep tracker on it and and a step counter. What should they be looking for? Are there any numbers they should be hitting? Some too, because when we look at activity, it's time active versus time sedentary. So look at your cycle throughout the day. Like if you have a CrossFit workout in the morning and yeah. you crush it, 
awesome, high five. But if you sit for 14 hours during the day, how is that benefiting you, right? I mean, the deleterious effects of you sitting for that long compared to the, the great activation and the great metabolism activation you got in your workout, it's not going to go through, it's not going to put you in the green in your life. It's not going to move the needle for you in the way that you want. So time versus sedentary and active, number one, so that's your activity box. Next is your sleep. Make sure that when you're looking at your Fitbit that you can mm -hmm. see time awake versus time restless versus time in sleep. Hmm. A really good device for sleep tracking is the Jawbone. I will say that the Jawbone sleep functionality is a lot better than Fitbit, but Fitbit is still great, right? Again, we're trying to keep this simple. The number one reason why people don't do things is because they come overwhelmed. They become completely overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. So let's keep it really simple. Let's not overwhelm people. Let's bring it down to those four columns on a consistent basis. And then also using an app like a Fitbit, I feel like is great for hydration. You can just plug it in. I use an app called Nudge Coach. Nudge Coach is what I use with my clients. I found that that is the best because we don't focus on calories. We don't focus on micronutrients. All we focus on is serving sizes. Hmm. And, it, and what I do is I base it off of the paleo plate. Have you seen the paleo plate? Is, is that the one where it's, it's, phys, it's a plate that you buy and it physically has sections that you put the food on? Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't know that existed. This is the one that I actually got online. They did the same color scheme as the myplate.gov, but it, uh -huh. they made it paleolithic. Oh. So it was like, you know, lean meats, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, and then like water <laughs> instead of milk. That's <laughs> so, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, but those, I think that's really it, Clark, keeping it simple in those categories to, to get people to elicit these behaviors and mm -hmm. then being more mindful about their behaviors. And then there's a whole community component too, we can talk about as well. Like, but, but that's the beginning, I think for most people that are kind of like, well, what's this wearable thing? So going back to the, uh, active sedentary, uh, uh juxtapose kind of stat there. Um, yeah. the person who's crushing it for the hour CrossFit workout and then sits for 14 hours, how would you recommend they get the most out of those 14 hours? Like what, what sort of things? I mean, are we talking standing desks or walking around the block or what, sure. what is Josh's coaching prescription for that person? Yeah, this is great because this is what comes up in the group. I'm at a standing desk right now. So this is a butcher block from Ikea. It was 200 bucks. I just raise it all the way up. Um, I have a foam roller that's cut in half that I'm standing on right now to balance. So I'm getting like a little foot massage as we talk. And then I alternate between that and an AirX pad, which is like a thick standing pad. But that gets me in a more excited position to communicate because when I'm sitting, I notice my voice changes. I don't know if you felt that way. Um, sometimes though, what I'll do is I'll take a, a sit down for like, a 10 minute break or a 15 minute break. That's okay. But here's the key. Spend the majority of your working day. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're an office worker, spend the majority of your day standing. It's not that you can't sit, but always make it so that you're standing for 80% of the day and that you're sitting for 20% of the day. That's hmm. the key for activity. I feel like also too, when you're standing, you are going to move side to side without knowing it. It's just going to happen. And that's movement, right? Even if it's a tiny bit of movement, we're still moving. We're yeah. still more connected with our body and, and with what we're doing. So that's, I think, the number one piece. Now, for the other 14 hours, set timers either on your computer or your phone. Um, you can set alarms in the Fitbit. You can actually remind yourself to move through the Fitbit app, set a custom alarm for yourself. Isn't that like the silent alarm feature or something? Yeah, you can do it on your iPhone too. That's I mean, cool. 
or your droid for all the droidians out there. Like you, you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Like just make it so that you're reminding yourself. This is really cool, Clark, because this came up at the Brendan Burchard conference, the High Performance Academy. I'm sure that most people um, that listen to Paleo Hacks are intelligent enough and have heard of Brendan Burchard. Well, he actually takes a 10-minute break every hour. And this is a productivity master. So he will set an alarm on his phone. And when he sets the alarm, he does like this breathing technique. He does some different tapping on the body. And he wakes up his nervous system every hour because this guy's operating at an extremely high peak performance state. Yeah. I'll say that I don't take a break every hour. No I probably way. take a break every two hours. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working into that, you know, but technology can help us because without the phone, without um, having this, you know, podcast mechanism, I'm talking to you on a screen, I'm standing at a desk, like technology helps us to be more active if we choose to. It's, it's making the choice as well. Yeah, the whole standing versus sitting thing, like I'm so on board with standing, but for podcasting and for really uh, mentally taxing work, I have to sit. I don't know why. I, I, when I stand, I'm a bit more uh, not like I'm not as present. I feel like when I'm sitting, I'm more calm and I can have a better connection and think things through more so than when I'm standing. Um, so it's interesting. You stand and get more uh, mental energy from that. And you're, you're, yeah. you're more alert. Cause well, the- and it, it might be right. Your predisposition genetically, your personality tendency type. Uh, there's so many factors that go into like what works for one person and what doesn't maybe for you, it's 80, 20, the other way. Maybe yeah. that works better for you. And that's okay. Cause maybe you can design the rest of your life and use reminders in the rest of your life. The other, um, eight hours, yeah. 10 hours, that you can be more active in. Yeah. So there's ways to hack it. Um, so we're talking about technology and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I know what I've been experimenting with is actually reducing technology, reducing social media, reducing input. Um, because I feel like the more input we're getting, almost the less output we have. And when I'm so reactive to everything coming at me, they're reading tweets and I'm reacting to it or I'm on Facebook and I'm reacting to things. I'm, I'm getting a lot of other people's uh, like they're they're almost controlling my patterns and my thoughts. And anyway, I'm trying to reduce more technology in, in that sense, if that makes sense. Um, how, what's the downside to technology? Is there like a, a blowback you're seeing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we have this crazy busy modern world and it's filled with technology. This technology pulls us away from human connection. So we're now at this tipping point where I feel like technology has the power to bring us back to be more mindful. So like, let's unpack what this wellness and mindfulness technology actually is. It's a movement that is encouraging people to become more aware of the present moment. That's really what this is all about, rather than losing oneself in a technological device. So the downside to technology is that it's this massive sword. And on one side, it's amazing for productivity and it makes people, you know, we have salespeople using Salesforce and we have people using technology to be more productive and all these different things. It connects people like never before. On the other side, it has the power to make people more active. Look what you and I are doing on a podcast recording. It has the ability. It's a tool to connect people in a way that's never been possible. Just period. It just hasn't been possible. Yeah. We, I can sit in the desert on my iPhone and talk to you if you were on a trip in London right there and we can see each other. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, it's so nuts. if we're aware, if we're self-aware and we're using different modalities of tech, 
to continue to reinforce the mindfulness component, mindfulness technology as a movement, that's when we become more aware. That's when we use tech to actually help us. But if we're not aware, Clark, the downside is that we become sedentary. Technology rules our life. We're a slave to our phone. We're constantly checking social. So it's not that the technology is the villain. It's that people's mindset around the technology, whether they're aware or not, that's really the problem. It's the awareness of what we're doing. I've talked to a lot of my friends and had this conversation where we're talking about technology and you know the responsive, reactive thing. And what you're saying is that it's a double-edged sword. Um, and it's easy to feel kind of like a battery, like you're a human battery for your technology and you have to run them all. And so if you have a Pinterest, a Facebook, a Twitter, a YouTube, iTunes podcast, it's like all those are taking energy from you and it, yeah. it takes some sort of maintenance. So you're getting drained by the end of the day. And just like any battery, if you don't have enough in you, you're not going to be able to, to, to give it to your friends or your family or your job. Um, so I'm curious then, what are some of your either rules or limits that you set for yourself on technology. Do you have any? Cool. This is, this is like five ways. And I know it sounds like, Oh my God, is five the magic number? I think it is because I think these are the most powerful ways so we can fill our battery. Cause you brought up a good point. Like if we're a slave to this tech and it's taking energy out of us, how do we become more mindful to recharge? Like, how do we do that? Yeah. You know, it's like the, the number one thing is turning off your phone, putting it on airplane mode until after you eat breakfast. Do it. That is the number one hack. Like if you turn off your phone, put it on silent mode, put it on do not disturb, whatever it is. Don't check your email. Don't check <clears> social. How you start your day is the framework of how your day will be. So if you do that one thing, that's going to be the most powerful. Imagine starting your day just charging your own battery like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, the second thing is the previous night before you go to bed, iPhone just came out with an update. It's called Night Shift, and it's like flux. Um, it'll block all the blue light. So oh, now cool. You they can, did. Yeah, so you can set an alarm. Oh, so cool. block the blue light. I also use these gunner glasses. Yeah, I've seen These those. are really great as well. Yeah. So block the blue light um, from dark. As soon as it gets dark outside, that's your circadian rhythm mechanism in your body that's going to want to downregulate cortisol. It's going to want to start to get you in that night sleep mode. Um, if you don't do that, though, then again, like here it is, Clark. There's technology available. Are we going to be mindful and use it? Yeah. Are what we was, going to, so, you know, sorry that's to, the second it, it, thing. It, sorry to interrupt. What was that yeah. app called again for people listening? It's Night Shift, and it's actually, it's night not an shift. app. It's on the iPhone itself. Oh, even, yeah. even the 5S? Uh, maybe I'm a little yeah. behind Josh. Hey, you know what? <laughs> 5S is still pretty technologically savvy, man. I bet yeah. you it's on there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, number three, man. So we talked about like, okay, what do we do in the morning? What do we do the night before to be proactive using tech? And then the third thing is like, use a meditation technology. If meditation, there's, if meditation is, is known, which obviously in the scientific community, in the paleo community, it's known as something that can drastically and radically improve your energy, radically improve your performance. Use tech so that this meditation can actually be something that you do on a consistent basis. If you charge your battery one day and then you don't charge it again for 10 days, um, it's not that the one day didn't matter, but how much more could it benefit you if you charged your battery every day? So using a muse meditation, like the headband, I use the headband, tracks my brain waves. Hmm. I know when I'm in flow. I know when I'm not. I know when I'm out of it. I know when I'm in. That's a good one. So that's a way to use tech to actually keep you accountable to using 
meditation as a vehicle to recharge your battery. Um, also, number four is like joining a group, you know, join a group of like minded people like you and your friends have this conversation and you want to talk about how can we charge our battery more? How can we use tech to charge our battery? I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm on social too much. Like it's pinging me. It's crazy. It's too much. Join a group of people who are in that same space. If there's people listening to paleo hacks that want to lose weight, join a Fitbit group that's accountable where you're all having dialogue around this more mindful living. Use technology in that group as a way to connect. Um, and then number five is don't count calories, period. Stop counting calories completely. Start using applications that allow you to track portions and serving sizes that are based on the palm of your hand. Hmm. So I think those five things, Clark, people need to start really accepting all of those as truth because however you want to adjust them for your life, they're going to make you more mindful and that's going to make you have the quality of life you want. So number three with the meditation thing, have you ever seen a, a headspace or column? Have you seen those apps? They're great. I actually haven't used them. I have a client that uses the calm. Yeah. Um, she loves it. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a guided 10 day uh, 10 minute meditation. And so I think I was using the headspace one. I didn't finish it. It just wasn't for me. Did you uh, like it or? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great set up really good for kind of, uh, anyone who's had struggles keeping themselves accountable because you get this headspace and it's this, this British dude with an accent talking about calm. Sounds and very calming. It's very calming. It feels like a national yeah. geographic documentary. And so you're, you're listening to it for 10 minutes and you're doing the deep breathing and he's walking you through and it's very, um, I use van the term vanilla in a, in all respects, not that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very, uh, what would it be? What's the word I'm looking for? Applicable to everyone. Dry Di white toast. Dry <laughs> wonder bread of meditation. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have any of the kind of Zen or woo woo aspects that sure. some people may love or some people may not like. So it's very open to all, uh, different forms. So I liked it. I thought it was great. Headspace. It's free, should be free. And it's 10 minutes, 10 days. And if you do that, just like habit formations, you know, you're, you're on track to, uh, totally. Yeah. Do it more often. Yeah. And I think, I think the way that it worked for you is awesome. Now it sparked you to maybe want to do something else. You're, you're going to figure out what works for you. But the thing is, is that you started. And yeah. I think that's what people listening, like, just start, you know, just, just begin. Yeah. Yeah. The meditation, <laughs> yeah. the meditation thing's really hard to uh, keep yourself on. I'll be honest. You know, I, I go through phases, uh, seasons, if you will, of where I'm doing really good. I'm crushing it, Josh, for like yeah. three months of like, you know, lowering my quota, doing the habit formation five minutes a day. And then I haven't done it in a month, two months. And um, I think it goes back to that why we were talking about and the accountability. Like I sometimes if my meditation practice is, oh, because I heard Josh talking about it on a podcast and it's supposed to calm me down. Mm. Well, then that's a that's a weaker form of uh, motivation and a why than if my why is uh, because I see the implications of it throughout my day and it makes me more productive, happier and healthy. You know, like so finding ways to measure that's also hard. Um, what are some of your whys for incorporating like a mindfulness or a meditation practice? Man, I was I was listening to you talk about the two month thing and I was like, Clark, are you open to me coaching you for three minutes on the air? <laughs> um, I think for me, it's like, really getting clear on the fact that if I'm going to reach a million people, that's my ultimate why. So like, what's my why? 
over the years, it's been like to be the best version of myself and to grow through. But like I've done the work to figure out that I get to serve a million people. That is my ultimate goal. Not from a place of anything other than genuine humility and service. Like I want to reach a million people through technology so that they can have a better wellness in their life. That's that's my ultimate goal. Now, what do I have to become? What do I have to be every day in order for that to happen? I have to be physically active. I have to be emotionally present. I have to be emotionally intelligent and constantly leaning into what is emotional intelligence for me because it's one thing for me to be into tech, but I have to be able to articulate why it works from an emotional standpoint. That's my why. My why is to use technology to help people so that they can feel better. And if I'm not doing that in my own life, how is that not going to be anything less than just a spark in the dark for them? Like I want to be able to help them long term. And I think that's the ultimate accountability for me as a coach. I think a lot of people, Clark, they get into fitness and wellness. They're dealing with something on their own. They're dealing with a struggle. You know, you talked about something you went through where you were mirror checking yourself a bunch years ago. And it's Mm -hmm. like the journey we're all on is exactly what we're trying to teach. I opened a show three weeks ago with Nir Ayal. He talked about habit forming products, you know, why we're addicted to tech and all these things. And he started the conversation by saying, you know, I found myself becoming addicted to technology. And like, that's why he dove into the work. My issue is that habit formation for me in my life has always been a challenge. Hmm. And so rather than struggling and fighting the habit formation, I'm just relaxing into keeping my life day to day, block to block using tools and tech so that they can help me go in that direction. I mean, my personality type is that I am an obliger. You know, I am someone that does really well with external motivation, with outside frameworks for accountability. Not everybody's like that, but for me and for the majority of people, based on the work of Gretchen Rubin, that's the majority of people. We're obligers. We put other people before ourselves. We thrive off of deadlines and times of things having to be turned in and just all kinds of things that are outside of us. And I think knowing that, having that self-awareness about who I really am, that I'm not this person that loves to get up at 5 a.m., that I'm not this person that loves to do everything early. I'm a procrastinator by nature. Just accepting things about myself instead of fighting and trying to fit my life into some mold that I read on a motivational blog or whatever it is. That's not in alignment with my why. My why is being clear on who I am, what I do, and why I do it. One of my favorite things to get clarity on, like who you are, is to know your strengths. Uh, you know, uh, that Martin Seligman, the work of him in positive psychology, says that the key to happiness, all the things we've studied over the last five decades on positive psychology, down into one sentence that's know your strengths and use them often. If you want to be really happy, use them in service to others. And so he put together this test on his website. I think it's authentichappiness.com. And he came up with 24 signature strengths and you can do this questionnaire and it tells you your top strengths. And then, of course, your bottom ones, you know, numbers 24, 23, 22 are kind of the ones that maybe don't come naturally to you. They're not there. So, yeah, uh, math is math is not natural to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, so and they're all strengths on there like uh Uh, mine are creativity, humor and playfulness, love of learning, wisdom, uh, appreciation of beauty. Uh, so, so stuff like that that are really – I've never seen any other strength finder do because the most strength finders like the Myers-Briggs one – no, not the Myers-Briggs one. Sorry, the strength finder one. It's like I'm a maximizer. Right, I'm right, right. I'm futuristic. 
And it's yeah. like, I'm going to contribute to my corporation and my business. And it, it, that's great. That's more of like a, like a trait of who you are in an organization. But this yeah. one's more of like deep down inside of Josh. What does Josh stand for? Here are some big values that you can use to anything. And we'll give yeah. you five of them. And so I think those kind of tests, again, technology, like you're talking about, um, are really beneficial, man. And if someone's listening right now, that strength finder is killer. Strength finder is great. There's the test on Gretchen Rubin's site. There's a difference between uh, personality type and personality tendency. Like a tendency is our way of being when we're around deadlines and expectations. Expectations is like perceived like, okay, when someone does action A, my expectation is that I have to do this. But that's different than um, a type. A type is like, okay, I'm an A type. I'm a driven person. Um, This is just what I do. I set up dominoes and I knock them down. Or I'm a passive person. That's just my nature. So it's like exploring those two, you know, figuring out what's my type? What is my actual personality tendency? Like combining those two and getting clear on the why. I love the question. The question of why? Like, let's keep circling back to that on every single time we talk, like if we interview five years from now, like let's talk about the why again, because it's, we need it. It's a constant reminder. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. When things get hard, can I cuss on the show? Yeah, go for it. Do it when shit want. gets hard, when shit hits the fan, what is your why? Like what's going to get you through the shitty part of your day? What's going to keep you accountable to your habit when things suck? It's getting clear on the why. The why is your fuel. It's, it's your force. It's what are you connected to when things get unbearable? Like what makes you want to do it? You know, without that, why, whatever test you want to take, man, I mean, yeah. it could be any test, right? But the clarity of the why, like that's going to give you the energy yeah. to do what you know is in alignment with your goal. So for me, the, the, when I, when people say, how do I find my why? I always go back to journaling and kind yeah. of answering your questions and, and doing the work on your inner self. And, um, do you have any recommendations for people that would work if they really want to find a why? Yeah. <laughs> Read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. I mean, that is the ultimate. It's a good one. Like with that book, he talks about the the funnel system, the cone. He brings up the explanation of why the Wright brothers brought the plane to the world before anyone else did with yeah. more money and more opportunity. Like that one, um, the best, the yeah. best resource you could ever do. Also too, having a conversation with your friends, having a real conversation where you say, hey, best friend, what do you think I'm all about? What do you think is my why? Asking your friends around you how they, ex- how they experience you. Like, what's my experience of you? Well, Clark is a passionate guy. He's driven. He has amazing hair. And also, also he has got a great voice. You know, like, but what's the why? Like having that uncomfortable conversation to say, like, how do I show up in my friend's life? They're going to give you insights. Someone else's perspective can really direct and save your life sometimes. Because yeah. we're not always as self-aware as we think we are. We have to be open to feedback. So those two things. Read that book, number one, and then have real conversations with your friends about how you show up in their life. Yeah, that's that's great. And I, th- I think answering some questions too, like um, one that was really uh, uh, two, uh, two that were really powerful for me in my 11 questions change your life forever book on my site, Josh. Uh, <laughs> the first one was if I had all the time and all the money in the world, what would I do? And you quickly go through that and you burn through like I'd buy a nice car or I'd go on a vacation or I'd buy a new house. It's like, okay, then what, then what, then what, then what? And you eventually start getting down to like service and giving to people. And you realize how much of what 
you really do want in life or you want to do has nothing to do with the material or extra uh, monetary values. And as cliche as that is, like the ocean doesn't feel any better because you have a million dollars. You know what I mean? It's still the same ocean. Or like that T-bone steak you're eating for paleo, like you can buy it at Trader Joe's and no matter how much money you have, it's still going to cost $20 and taste the exact same. And so there's all these things when you take that out of the equation, um, you can really focus in on what do you want to give and where do you want to go. And that's that's given me a lot of drive personally, um, eliminating those external kind of values. It's interesting when you say external values. Like, what do you mean by that? External uh, values. I, I, I mean, just like the the fun stuff, you know, like sure. uh, like uh, okay, okay. I, I'm I'm going to work so I can make money to buy X, Y, and Z, or going on a vacation or whatever. Yes. Like now I can live for two weeks. It's like no, well, you know, if, if that's the ultimate goal, we got to take a look at those other fifty and how can you get meaning out of those. The awesome part about what you just said is that that statement is directly linked to getting clear on why. If those outside values that you explained are not in alignment with your why, it's an easy decision. Like, why do you think businesses have a manifesto and a mission statement? It's because that's how they make their decisions. Yeah. Like, if 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 the clarity around your mission in life isn't crystal, then it's going to be hard to make decisions. And then there's going to be, like, spent energy on, like, should I, should not, should I do this, should I not? There's so much ambiguity when it comes to like decision making if you're not clear on why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah, your core values and your core principles of like where are you sourcing your decisions from? Like I know uh, what you were saying with corporations, you know, Netflix, they have a list of their val. Amazon's a better example. They have those 13, I think they are, company values or something. And every decision they make goes back to them. It's like, do do these fit our 13? You know, are these a part of it? Or Starbucks too, you know, they go back to their mission statements, their values, and they source their decisions from it. It's like, should we start making a cheaper kind of coffee from a farm that can produce more beans that's very cheaper and save millions? Nope, that's not in our well-sourced value. So we're not going to do it. And so I think with your life too, if you can somehow get clear on your why and your mission statements now with bringing it back to technology or food, what we were talking about in the first half of the call, you know, if your value is to be a healthy role model for your kids, well, all of a sudden now, if that's where you're sourcing it from, that's a way bigger motivator than I want to look better on beach season. Uh, I got this new bikini, you know, it's night, night and day difference. Yeah. Exactly. And, and clarity on that is how do we figure out our why? Do the things we talked about, read the book, ask your friends for feedback. But also it might be a good idea to just understand scientifically, metabolically, like why we do what we do. You know, understanding the limbic brain, understanding the amygdala, how it's linked to all of our emotions, how it's hardwired to our sympathetic nervous system. Like these are things we cannot fight. They're either there and we're aware of them or they're there and they're just acting on our behalf and we're running on autopilot. It's, it's understanding that like we're half, we're kind of like half spirit, half beast, you know, we're half animal, half spirit. Like we're on this world in this amazing time where we have so much intelligence emotionally and mentally, you know, checking off boxes, but also we still have to take care of that primal self. You know, our reptilian brain needs certain things. We need food. We need procreation. We need shelter. Actually, shelter is the second one. So, like, if we don't have those things and we're not paying attention to those things, then who cares about our why if you're starving? You know, take care of the basal fundamental things and then use that as a construct to have the rest of your life in the way that's in align with your why and how you want to live. 
Josh putting procreation before shelter. Yeah, I know. That might have been a Freudian slip there. Well, Freud was really into sex, so I don't know. Yeah, he had a lot of weird <laughs> he stuff, was, man. man. He was a weirdo. Yeah. Oh, man, Josh, this is the this is the double edged sort of uh, having a podcast call with you is like we get so <clears throat> we talk about so much, but then the time flies by. So um, wrapping it up, I ask my guests two questions before they leave. Uh, the first one is looking back on the past year, you know, a year from now or in the past. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned? Biggest lesson I've learned in the past year has been to be open to what I'm feeling and be open to actually giving myself permission to feel it. Instead of trying to be perceived in a certain way, instead of trying to give people what I think they want, be incredibly and radically authentic in that moment because nobody's going to trust you if you're not. You might get a few people in the beginning. Something I had to learn was like cockiness over confidence. That's what I had to learn. Like that was my, that was my edge for a long time. Like, how do I come from a place of just being me and serving people from my most authentic self in the moment? And granola talk aside, I know that sounds like something that might be at a Woodstock convention in the back of a VW bus, (laughs) but like, I really mean this. That's my core lesson over this year has been, how do I explain who I am, what I do and why I do it from the most clear, authentic place so that people can trust me? Because when they trust me, then I can really help them. And then I can also be in alignment with helping myself too. It's, there's a lot of fear around that being ourselves in the moment constantly over and over and over again, because there's so much conditioning that we have to get through, but that's the true warrior. Like if you can, if all of us can just be ourselves more mm-hmm. often, yeah, it's um, a, it's powerful protection mechanism. It's easier to not be yourself. And if people criticize you, it's like, well, I wasn't actually being me. They're criticizing the false me. They don't know the real me. The yeah. real, real me is awesome. And they wouldn't they don't know who I that. am. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, you weren't showing them, you know, yeah, yeah. you weren't showing them. So yeah. that's, that's, the, that's my ultimate lesson, man. Good lesson. Constantly dude. reminding myself to do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. What are your favorites, books, blogs, or podcasts that you learn from if you had to recommend one or two to people? Oh, just one or two. Yeah. You only get one or two. <laughs> okay. Um, well, to be honest, like absolutely my podcast because all the people that I interview, I hunt them. I like literally hunt the internet and I'm like, who's the most inspiring and passionate person that either is doing something to help people change their behavior or making devices that can help them do that same thing. So I love the guests that I have on my show. I really do. Also, another podcast that I've been enjoying lately has been the Model Health Show from Sean Stevenson. I think that's a great Mm -hmm. one. He's got some awesome guests on his show. Um, Those are my two that came to mind, but you should see my phone. I have like 15, 20 (laughs) podcasts that I listen to, but you only gave me two, man. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I had to throw mine in there because these guests are like, they, they change me. Every time, I'm sure you felt this way too. Like every time you interview someone, that you respect, man, there's a nugget that gets absorbed. Yeah, it's a, it's a good self-interest to do podcasting because you get to talk to cool people that, you know, they, they're busy people. A lot of these people we have on our shows, um, they're busy, yeah. you know, like a Mark Sisson. He's a busy guy. But mm-hmm. if I have a podcast, boom, we can talk for an hour and my cat can yeah. climb in and distract the whole thing. But that's another, <laughs> another story. Uh, Josh, my man, I love you. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. Really grateful for it. Um, it's always a blast. Thanks, bro. Much uh, love to you too. Thank you. So yeah. for people, obviously, Wellness Force podcast, they're listening right now. Is that the best place to find you? Yeah, it's wellnessforce.com. I mean, I'm Wellness Force everywhere. 
So <laughs> that sounded kind of cool. Wellness Force everywhere. I'm Wellness Force all over social, the internet, like just search for Wellness Force. Um, and if I said something today that made you feel like, I don't agree with Josh, he's full of it. Message me, let me know. Josh at wellnessforce.com. If you like something or you're curious, same email. Ha. He's the force of wellness, departing his wisdom on us. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Till next Thanks, time. Clark. Josh Trent, ladies and gentlemen, if you liked it, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and a review on the page. Helps us out, takes three minutes of your time. This week's rating, you also get it read on air. So Steph Bean is a screen name on May 22nd. I really enjoy this podcast. I have learned a lot over the months I've been listening. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Steph. Really means a lot. It does. We like putting these out. And next week, we have Pedram Shojai coming on, the Urban Monk. The week after, we have Jonathan Baylor coming on, the Sane Diet. And get this, guys. I recorded seven shows this week, which I don't recommend if you do podcasting, uh, if you want to stay sane, pun intended, dad humor for you. Anyway, that'll take us all the way to the end of September if we have all our shows edited, posted, and recorded. So we're not going anywhere. I appreciate you listening over the years and sticking around there. Fitbit update, I'm wearing it right now. I love this thing. Love it so much. Got the Charge HR that I bought one for my girlfriend and my mom. My mom for Mother's Day, my girlfriend for her birthday, and they love it as well. I really like the silent alarm feature on this Fitbit. It's really cool. It just like buzzes you and vibrates lightly uh, whatever time you set during the week. Totally changed the way I get up in the morning instead of getting blasted awake to an alarm clock or something. Um, I think... I don't have any research on this in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the vibrating on your wrist is a better way to wake up for stress levels than a blaring loud alarm clock that you throw across the room. So that's, if if anything, that's the reason I keep it on and wear it. Um, We should get them to sponsor the show. I talk about it so much. Imagine that. All right, paleohacks.com. If you want the recipes, articles, blogs, more, uh, timestamps for this show over there. It's killer. Go back, listen to what you missed all over there at paleohacks.com. Social media as well is just at paleohacks. And for me, it's at Clark Dangerous. That's O-U-S. Mybestjournal.com is the course that will change your life in under four hours. This is a course I put together on the ultimate guide to keeping a journal, how to transform that little $7 journal you buy into the best book you've ever read. Spent a lot of time putting this course together. I'm really proud of how it came out. And you can find out more on it at mybestjournal.com. That's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here for next Thursday with Pedram Shojai, the Urban Monk. See you then.